Developing homesteading outlooks is something everyone needs to do. It absolutely is possible to homestead right where you are. Why? Because homesteading is a mindset. It's 100% mind over matter. You don't need to have 100 acres, live in a log cabin, and generate your own electricity. Homesteading is about you and what you want from it. If you're serious about building your own homestead and plotting your path to freedom, then it's time to sit down and really dive into your homestead outlook. Welcome to the Pilgrim Feet Podcast, an audio companion to the Our Pilgrim Feet blog that helps you achieve self-sufficiency and your own brand of freedom. I'm your host, Katie Sutton-Smith, and I'm so thankful you decided to join me today. The way we homestead now is actually pretty new. People didn't call it homesteading way back in the day when the prairies were full of pioneers. Pioneers became homesteaders because they took advantage of the Homestead Act. And this was a series of legislation that Abraham Lincoln signed after the Civil War. It encouraged people to go out and claim land. They would get 160 acres of government surveyed land, and they were required to improve it by building a house and working it. After five years, if they had done this, they could have the land free and clear except for a title registration fee. But by its very nature, life back in the 1880s was what we now refer to as homesteading. Families had to be self-sufficient to survive. They had to find ways to grow and preserve their own food. They had to deal with their waste. They had to find fresh water. Nowadays, we have people who do all of that, and choose to go off the electrical grid, live off-grid. But then, as now, homesteading provides an opportunity for people who are willing to work hard and do without to be free. Women and recently freed slaves were eligible for that same 160 acres of land. Your color and gender didn't matter. Now, granted, it was easier for unmarried women, single women, widows, people like that, to get access to the land than married women, but anyone was able to get it as long as they were 21 and had never borne arms against the U.S. government or given aid and comfort to its enemies. Okay, it's not exactly the same thing today, right? On at least a federal level... The government isn't looking to give out land basically for free anymore. But I will tell you this, if that's what you're looking for, if that's what you need to take, you know, those final steps and get out there on your own and start your homestead, there are communities, mostly in the Midwest, that are looking to incentivize people to move there by offering them essentially free land. All it takes is a quick look on a search engine and you can find articles, lots of them, with lists of the places that are looking for people. I can tell you, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, and Minnesota all have communities that are making these sort of offerings. And I will go ahead and put the list of communities in the show notes so you can just take a look-see there and go off and do some searches and find out what you can about it. We're not talking about free land today, so we're going to 
keep going because even without free land, homesteading still offers that same potential for freedom it has always offered, along with the inevitable truth that life off the beaten path is going to be more difficult than life safely tucked away in an inner city with lots and lots of amenities. Homesteading has evolved with the times, and now we have a variety of different types of homesteading that people in all walks of life are pursuing. Because homesteading, more than anything, is a mindset. It's a mindset of self-sufficiency and a mindset of freedom. When we look at homesteading today, rather than 150 years ago, we have to acknowledge both what is different and what is the same. We have to ask ourselves, why would someone choose to pursue it? And really, homesteading today is very much the same as it was before. Whether you live in an apartment or out in a log cabin, the same principles of self-sufficiency apply. Grow your own food, store your own food, make your own clothes, bake your own bread. But it is also so very, very different. After all, even an off-grid homestead is finding ways to generate electricity. And that means you can definitely still use your bread machine to bake that loaf of bread. And you can use your sewing machine to make your clothes. And I'll tell you what, pioneers were not known for carting those heavy steel sewing machines in their heavy wood and iron cases across the prairies in their Conestoga wagons so that they could make their clothes with a sewing machine. But there are still lots of challenges facing modern homesteaders. And that brings us back to the question of why? Why would anyone choose to live this way? So I want you to take a moment because this is the most important question you are going to ask yourself on this journey. Why do I choose to pursue this? You need to know your why. When things get tough, when you're looking at having to cut out all the little luxuries of life so you can pay down your bills and buy that beautiful piece of property you found, you're going to need your why. When you've lost an entire clutch of chicks because things didn't work out, a raccoon got into your hen house, or your incubator just broke down, and now you're out all the time and the money and the effort and your heart is broken because you were so excited, you're going to need your why. When the weather blows in and you're trapped, isolated, your electricity is gone and you still have to get out in the snow, get to your barn and feed your goats, you're going to need your why. When you're fighting with your landlord for the right to grow vegetables instead of maintained landscaping. When you're stuck fighting fees and fines with your homeowners association because you just don't want to grow a lawn anymore. You're going to need your why. There's lots of whys out there. People choose homesteading for many, many, many different reasons. And there's very rarely just one. They're tired of the rat race. They want their kids to grow up away from the city and all the trouble that comes with it. They 
want to know where their food comes from, get their hands dirty and make sure it's as organic and healthy as possible. Some want the freedom to live as they choose without the fear that somebody's going to be looking out their window and calling the cops. They want to be as close to nature as possible, no matter where life has them right now. Some people want to be able to create their own ecosystem that will sustain them when all of society collapses around them. For Husbando and I, it's of course a combination of things. We want to be out of a state whose lawmakers we overwhelmingly disagree with, and instead living in a place full of people who have a similar mindset and life goals. We want to be prepared for some of the social, economic, and environmental changes we believe are coming. And we want to be able to sustain ourselves and our families without being worried that supply chain disruptions will run the grocery stores out of food and we'll be struggling to survive with everyone else. But we have a few other whys also. We want to begin fostering and we believe that kids need space to run around and let out all their crazy energy. They need room where they can go outside and just stand there and scream and yell as loud as they possibly can, and nobody is going to care. And they need to know that they can do these things and be safe. And we believe that having a home removed from civilization, even just by a few miles, is the best way to provide that safety for kids. So take a minute and answer the question for yourself. Get a piece of paper and a pen and write the answer down. Why are you choosing to pursue homesteading? I'm going to go ahead and give you a little bit of radio silence so you can just kind of think about that. Homesteading is pretty easily divided into three major types, rural, suburban, and urban. Urban homesteading is one of the most challenging options out there because most people in urban situations have very limited space and very rigid rules that control what they're allowed to do in that space. But there are still lots of ways to grow your own food, preserve your own food, even if you can't grow enough to feed your family all year round, you can take advantage of sales and preserve cheap food for later. Living in a major city does not mean you have to give up the goal of homesteading. And in fact, there are some benefits to urban homesteading, not least of which is you can mentor and encourage others to take the steps to start on this path too. Suburban homesteaders have a little more flexibility, depending on things like homeowners associations and local ordinance, but they definitely have more space for a garden, and many suburban communities are loosening up their restrictions on things like backyard chickens, because there's been such an increase in the interest in backyard homesteading. And I can tell you, I've actually seen some communities loosen up enough to allow you to have a duck or two, 
depending on the size of your yard. It's, it's actually pretty exciting. Rural homesteading, though, this is what we all picture when we think of starting a homestead. It's the image of that big farmhouse on a hill with 160 acres of land, full of sheep and goats and chickens and ducks and tractors and wheat and corn, and it's beautiful and it's what we all wish for, right? But there are pros and cons to each type of homesteading. And just because you're in one place now, it doesn't mean you're stuck there or that you have to leave. The key is growing where you're planted. Because if you want to homestead, there are ways to do it no matter where you are. It's time to start developing your outlook. Your signature homesteading style. Because whether you're starting out in an apartment in the middle of a city, or just getting started in that great big farmhouse, your homesteading outlook and style are going to be the same. Why? Well, because whether a house is big or small, you are you, and I really keep wanting to roll that into a Dr. Seuss-esque rhyme, but this, it still stands. Whether your house is big or whether your house is small, you are you, and what makes you isn't going to change. For example, if you don't like sewing now, you're probably not going to sew it just because you've gotten into a bigger house. So, how do you develop your outlook, your unique style? You're going to start working on creating priorities, remembering to keep them reasonable, to set reasonable expectations, and create reasonable goals. Give yourself set time limits and focus things in rather than having broad overarching goals that are very difficult to pinpoint. For example, here is our homestead outlook, our style, and our priorities. For our outlook, we want to create a permaculture refuge with easy-to-raise livestock and opportunities for kids to put their energy into positive activities. We want to achieve freedom from the grocery store by organically raising all our own food and having a strong storing and preserving system that feeds us all year round. Our style is a little bit of a hippie twist. While we want to be as self-sufficient and sustainable as possible, we recognize that some of the things we want, like fostering, will definitely keep a higher level of government oversight in our lives, and that health concerns will limit what we are able to do. Our priorities, well, our priority is having a sustainable, permaculture-focused homestead that is working to renew and restore the grassland prairies of America. Our priority is to create a safe haven for kids in the foster system, including a comfortable home with plenty of space and an understanding of the extracurricular activities available in the area for them to participate in. A priority, our priority is establishing a food system able to meet our annual dietary needs, either through gardening, the raising of livestock, or connecting with other like-minded individuals for herd shares. Our priority is developing income generation opportunities through the raising of heritage poultry and waterfowl and specialized fruits, vegetables, and herbs. Seems like a lot, doesn't it? And as I pointed out in the Know Your Limits podcast, it would be totally overwhelming 
if I hadn't taken the time to write it all down step by step. Having that roadmap of where I'm going and what I want to accomplish is, well, for me anyway, absolutely necessary. Because when you see it all in front of you, your mind has a much easier time figuring out how to make it all work. But despite how big it all seems, it feels kind of dry, doesn't it? Like listening to a lecture by a school teacher. I mean, once you've got years worth of food storage, then what? Once the food growing system is in place, what do you do? That's where creating dreams and goals beyond your outlook and priorities is so important. When you stop and picture your ideal homesteading life, when everything is said and done and you have nothing to hold you back, what does perfect look like? Take a minute, close your eyes, imagine you've done it and life is perfect. What does that look like? Write it down. Create a list of your dreams and goals, those things that are just beyond reasonable. If you could do it all, what would you do? For me, when I close my eyes, it's waking up in the morning and fixing breakfast for Husbando and I before anyone else is awake. Homeschooling, ladies and gentlemen, is the way to accomplish that one. Let your kids sleep in. Once he's off to work, whether upstairs in his office or somewhere else, I'll get out to the barn, let out the chickens, ducks, and maybe I'll have given in and gotten a couple of geese. Maybe, because I don't really like geese. And let me tell you, their honking is disrupting my perfect world right now. Next, check on Grammy. See, if she, see how she's feeling. See if she feels up to getting up and moving around today. I would love to have her in a place where she feels like she can get up and start her day having a cup of tea with me in the morning and doing our daily Bible reading together. Because we have such wonderful conversations and debates as God gives us new insights on what we're reading. Then it's getting the kids up, making them breakfast, and getting them started on their school day and chores. Like every household, in my head, in my perfect world, things are crazy busy. And there's always housework and after-school activities for kids to be involved in. In this perfect world, too, everybody's learning how to play some sort of musical instrument. And hopefully there are teachers in South Dakota that will come to your home and teach. At the end of the day, we all sit down and have dinner, then watch a movie before everyone goes to bed. Yes, it's very simple. But for Husbando and I, that's what we have talked and dreamed about since we first met each other. It's our dream. And within our dream, as within all of your dreams, there are going to be macro goals and micro goals. And macro and micro goals are the last thing we're going to focus on today. Because these are the pieces you need to create a functional outlook and begin creating an actionable homestead goal and actionable plans. Everything in your homestead outlook in your dream is made up of macro and micro goals. For example, we want to raise heritage chickens and waterfowl. That's a macro goal. Big, overarching. The big goal is raise chickens and ducks, right? And we want them to be heritage breeds. But the micro goal 
is we want to raise Brahma, Plymouth Rock, and Lavender Orpington chickens for eggs and meat. We intend to sell hatching eggs and chicks and ensure market weight roosters are harvested at the appropriate age and weight as long as there is a rooster of the correct breed available to his hens. For our waterfowl, we intend to raise Aylesbury and Indian runner ducks in separate enclosures as Indian runner ducks can distress Aylesbury's and cause health problems. If we choose to include geese, they will be Sebastopol geese. We intend to sell hatching eggs, ducklings, and goslings of all breeds and flock shares of Aylesbury drakes. Excess Indian runner drakes will be sold as necessary. So by creating our list of macro and micro goals, you break down your dream into small, easy to accomplish pieces. And it is, let me tell you, amazing how well this system works. When Husbando and I first got together, the macro micro goal setting system was something it took us time to build. We both tend to look at objectives in completely different ways. I tend to be a very macro focused person, totally the macro perspective. I don't look at the small pieces needed to accomplish something at all. <laughs> and this has led more often than I would care to admit to my easily overextending myself and running out of steam for a project before it ever really gets rolling. Conversely, Hasbando tends to see only the close-up details. He can see all the small moving parts, but struggles to figure out where to start, becomes easily overwhelmed, and then paralyzed, so he never begins. Back when we first got married, this frustrated me so much. I didn't understand why he was always so focused on the details when the anxiety would stop him from doing anything. So I had to come up with a way to get him to step back and look at the big picture. I used to make the comparison to a tapestry and remind him that if all he did was focus on the threads woven through in the corner, he was going to miss the big picture. We had to find balance. Enter macro and micro goals. Now I say to him, Husbando, I want to raise heritage ducks and chickens and sell the eggs. And he says, what kind of ducks and chickens? How many different breeds? Where are we going to keep them? How are you going to sell the eggs? What are we going to do with all the males? And together, we weave the tapestry. We build our roadmap to success. And let me tell you, if this pair of neurotic oldest children can do it, so can you. Homesteading is a lot of work, but creating your homestead outlook Deciding where you want to go and what you want to accomplish for yourself and your family, that's the first step. Sit down with yourself and your family and start pulling your thoughts together. Until next time, keep faithfully walking the path to your freedom. We love you and we wish you the best. Thank you for joining us today. I love sharing with you and I hope that you feel comfortable sharing with me too. Please, please feel free to get in touch with us and let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover. You can send us an email at pilgrimfeet at ourpilgrimfeet.com and let us know what you think or even just drop us a line and tell us how you're doing. I'm Katie Sutton-Smith and I want to say thank you for joining us today on the Pilgrim Feet podcast. Please sign up for the newsletter and come back next week for more.